Welcome to the Aboisi Wine Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Clinton Lee. Today, it gives me enormous pleasure to introduce to you a person I consider to be one of the titans of the wine industry. He is in a very unique position, and I think we will see reverberations of all the positive and magnetic character that he brings to this position. This gentleman attended Cornell, where he studied anthropology, Asian studies, and Japanese. And subsequent to that, he then went on to the Harvard Business School and studied for his MBA. He sits on several boards and is the CEO and board member of Wine Bid, which recently celebrated their 25th anniversary. So please allow me to welcome our guest, Russ Mann. Hello, Russ. Hello, Dr. Lee. Thank you so much for having me onto your podcast. And it's a real honor to be able to speak to the listeners and viewers at Apwazi. As you just mentioned, I spent uh, part of my early career in Asia, in Japan, in Korea, in Singapore, and Australia, New Zealand. And so I have a real affinity for the region and uh, have done a lot of work in marketing to folks across the region, which is so diverse and so interesting. And so it's such a great honor to be here uh, speaking to the great listeners who enjoy wine in the region. Well, you know, Russ, it, it's, it's quite uh, unique in the sense that with your background that you have spent so much time um, being open and integrating with, with Asian, um, Asian culture. How, how did you decide to choose or select that particular topic? Uh, well, when I was going to school in the mid to late 80s, folks might remember that that was when Japan was rising in economic dominance across many categories like electronics and automobiles. And going to school, uh, going to college and picking a major, I wanted to do something that was very cultural and interesting and global, but could also be very useful for business. And I thought if I can speak Japanese and if I know about doing business in Japan, then that would be a great way to combine the interest of the arts as well as uh, setting a good foundation for a career. That's wonderful. So you, so you, you speak Japanese then? I still speak a little bit. I often joke now that I speak drinking Japanese, that it's good for sharing over a glass of wine or a beer, or the more I drink, the better I speak. But so happens when you've had a glass of wine, you suddenly remember some words from way back when. So I think we won't have any trouble pronouncing uh, any sake, the daiginja that we may want. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you, you've, you've touched on it a little, uh, Russ, but tell, tell, share with the viewers and listeners, you know, how, how did you begin your, your career, you know, this journey to get to where you are now, please? I appreciate your asking. I've had a little bit of a varied career. I didn't start off in wine, although it is somewhat interesting now to look back that when I was when I came out of school, 
speaking Japanese and focused on Asia, I, I got hired by Deloitte, the global accounting firm, and they sent me for a little while to Australia and New Zealand. And mm -hmm. I lived in New Zealand and for a bit, and my clients were Enza, E-N-Z-A, e the Apple and Pear Marketing Association, and also FCNZ, the Forestry Corp of New Zealand. And for okay. both of those, they were sales and marketing related consulting assignments. So I guess very early in my career, I was actually helping do agribusiness marketing, which is essentially wine is agribusiness marketing and, true, yes. and the product. So little did I know that later on I'd end up at the other end in consumer marketing, but we were helping helping Enza understand how they were marketing their apples and pears all around the world. So that was a fascinating project. Based on that, I ended up going back to Harvard Business School and wanting to be in tech. And so I uh, came from Boston to Seattle, where I now live, and I helped build some of the early companies in CRM, customer relationship yes. marketing. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up helping, I moved down south, I helped build Realtor.com, which is the largest, uh, it was at the time, the largest website for buying and selling homes. It was the first time you could ever see all the homes online. And I think back, so that was a marketplace of homes connecting sellers and buyers. Later on, I went on to run gazelle.com, which connects sellers and buyers of cell phones. I ran Onvia, which was helping governments and businesses. So governments that needed to buy products and services and businesses that wanted to sell products and services. So from my earliest days in business, I've always been focused on sales and marketing technology on the internet and also from the business side, as well as from the consumer side in these marketplaces of homes, cell phones, and other products. So it was quite, uh, quite serendipitous when the, reason, the reasonably new owners of WineBid, WineBid was just acquired by a private equity group about five years ago. Mm -hmm. They were looking for a new CEO and they found me. And a lot of my background really lent itself directly to uh, what WineBid does. That, and in addition, for a little while, um, when I was living in Southern California, you mentioned how you are uh, working with uh, a vineyard in Surrey, which is in the south part of Canada. I was, I was involved with, and I had a very small private vineyard in the south part of the United States in the up-and-coming little-known little appellation called Temecula, California. I know that. I know that, yes. <laughs> so I did plant my own uh, Syrah and Tempranillo, and I got to experience from the very first, uh, very first leaf through harvest, through many years of of private production. So I really got to experience wine from the producer end. Again, little knowing that I would end up in the secondary market consumer end with Winebid many years later. Yes, I, I, I had. Th thank you. Thank you, Russ. I mean, I had read about that, you know, uh, Temulka and I, and I did some research on it. And, and I think that until people actually have that sense of the grapes and, and, and the sweat running down their forehead and, and on their backs and the strength of their back when, when doing harvest time, you get to appreciate wine so much more. So absolutely. Much more. There's there's so much. There's of course the science of viticulture and wainology, but there's so much art and passion uh, that goes into every single bottle, every single wine, every single bottle. And that's part of 
part of what we try to do at WineBit is help share those stories. It's not just about sharing the juice that's in the bottle. It's about sharing the stories of the wines, the producers, and even how the how they were acquired. Maybe someone bought them when they were on a honeymoon trip in France or in Spain. Maybe somebody bought them at a charity auction. Maybe someone received them for a birth, a birth year gift or a company milestone gift. And those are experiences they had and they might have bought a case and bought and, dr and drank and shared two or three. And then they might be passing some of those experiences and those wines on to the next generation as part of a, an auction collection, which I'm sure we'll be talking about in a bit. Absolutely. So having, having the experience of growing my own grapes and making my own wine really contributes to my, my passion and understanding for the sellers and the buyers here at WineBid. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more, you know, Russ, because having completed, you know, probably nearly eight, nine harvests now myself, during the harvest period, the unbroken rule is there must be peace, there must be love, and no matter how frustrating harvest time can be, because your inner self comes forward, and that translates into the grapes. So it's absolutely vital that uh, you go in there with the right mindset and, and bringing the best that you have. Now, now, Russ, most, you know, we, some of us will understand what wine bid is, but I'm sure there are some listeners there, you know, perhaps if you could tell us what exactly is wine bid and what do they do? Yeah, so as you mentioned earlier, WineBid is currently celebrating its 25th anniversary this year, which is amazing. WineBid was originally founded at the same time as Amazon and eBay in the very early parts of the internet. Just think about what you were doing in 1996, which by the way, was a great year for Bordeaux wine, I know. Yes. And uh, that's when WineBid was started by a race car driver, an entrepreneur, an avid wine collector in Chicago, Illinois. And he saw Amazon and eBay and all these other really interesting internet e-commerce models. And he had been collecting and buying wines from wineries around the world on his trips. And he would go to the traditional brick and mortar auctions and he thought, surely there's a better way to do this to both buy wine and then also to sell wine uh, because he had a 10,000 bottle collection and a lot of his friends always wanted to buy his wine. And he felt that kind of, you know, if your friend wants to buy wine from you and what's the right price. And he thought if I could just put it up in an auction and then let people bid on it, then I don't have to feel bad about selling it for the best price possible. And we could also make it more efficient. And because he was an entrepreneur and a visionary, his name's Chuck Parsons, really great guy. He's still alive. He actually came to visit the WineBid warehouse uh, pre-pandemic. And then recently, actually, after it was safe again, he visited us in Napa. And he was so proud to see how WineBid had grown. So to your question, WineBid helps global sellers and buyers of wine connect online to legally, ethically, and with high transparency and quality, sell those wines and then and buy those wines and then get them delivered, hopefully, to where they need to be. The primary seller base for the U.S. are 
collectors, US-based collectors. We do have some operations in France right now where we can take the private collections from people in France, whether private collectors, and even some wineries and others are putting some of their wines up on WineBid directly from France. In the States, we have private collectors. We have occasionally restaurants that are doing closeouts or some wineries actually like using the platform for testing wines up on the WineBid platform for auction. Mm -hmm. On the buyer side, we have people, we are about 70% US domestic buyers. It may be interesting for the listeners here to know 20% of our buyers are in Asia across China, Hong Kong, Japan, Korea, Singapore, and all around the region. And then 10% of our buyers are actually in Europe. So we have a global supply side of, of consigners or sellers of wine, and we have a global buyer side. That's remarkable. Now, I was somewhat uh, surprised that the Asian percentage, because you have about 120 to 135,000 uh, uh, community strong yes. of buyers and sellers. And yet, uh, given the prolific purchasing and buying power and, and uh, apparently insatiable desire for good wines by, by the Asians, the, the number is, is, is seems somewhat uh, low. Is this, given your, your, your Asian cultural background and studies, and would you say this is one of the growth areas that you're looking for, uh, Russ? Absolutely. I think that, uh, number one, I've only been at WineBid for three years, and there are a lot of people who've been in the wine industry or big collectors uh, on both the buy side and the sell side that unfortunately had still not heard of WineBid, even though it is now 25 years old. So one of my goals and one of the reasons why I appreciate you inviting me here today is to let people know about this great platform. We are the longest standing and we are the largest online wine uh, wine auction. Mm -hmm. Folks may have heard of some of the other traditional brick and mortar uh, auction houses, but they have only recently gone online because of the pandemic, in fact, or just before the pandemic. WineBit has been around for 25 years, but there's a couple of reasons why I think uh, overall it may be less well known particularly in the Asian market. Uh, number one, I mentioned I'd been in um, consumer electronics before mm -hmm. buying and selling cell phones. It may be interesting for people in wine to know that electronics, fashion, books, toys, most of those other categories are now 20 to 30% penetrated online. But when it comes to wine and general food and beverage, most food and beverage is only 5% penetrated online. Yes. So up until recently, if you think about it, most people didn't want to go online to have to go grocery shopping, at least in the States. And I know in Asia and especially in China with uh, with Alibaba and others, some of the shopping habits are a little different. But in general, people first did not want to have their groceries shop for. And then they thought, I'll take the box and canned goods delivered, but the fresh goods I won't have delivered. I need to pick those out myself. And mm -hmm. I think People also didn't think, wow, I, would I buy wine online, especially expensive vintage wine? But then again, people started buying vintage watches online. People started buying very expensive jewelry online. People Indeed. started buying 
very expensive vintage cars online. And so all of those things contributed to people starting to think about buying wine online, in particular in the past three to five years. On top of that, when it comes to Asia, I know that it wasn't until about 10 years ago um, when, uh, when I believe in Hong Kong, they lifted the import tax and suddenly it became Absolutely. a lot less expensive to import fine wines from around the world. That as well as the rise of the Chinese economy and the Hong Kong uh, free trade zone brought, uh, as many people know about the, the Chinese real fascination with Bordeaux in particular. Before that, I, I do know the Japanese were very interested in French wine and many Japanese had started buying up uh, certain chateaus and domains. And then later on, Chinese started buying the wines and some of the chateaus. And now we've seen that continue to expand across the rest of the region, as I was mentioning, across all the countries. So I think it's really between the two forces of global food and beverage just now starting to move online and also the Asian market just starting to get involved with fine wine uh, and importing in the past 10 years. Those two things actually pre uh, 10 years ago, there was not much of a Chinese or Asian audience at all. And it's really been in the past 10 years that the wine bid Asian markets exploded. And we expect to see that continue to grow. Well, I, I, I would agree with you uh, in, in what you, you've said there, Russ, because the enabling environment has certainly changed. Um, Hong Kong, the, the relaxing and, and actually uh, doing away with, with, with the duties of, of, um, of taxes, that was one uh, huge catalyst. I think the other has been the generational change um, of, of the, you know, the, the new generation, those that come to the United States, Canada, Australia, Europe, UK, and they go abroad, they study, they start to learn about um, the wine culture. And when they go back to Asia, they, they want to bring it with them, mm -hmm. because that that sort of reminds them of their time abroad, and it's become the norm. So um, absolutely, I, I, I would say, you know, my own experiences when I, I was traveling in Hong Kong and China was, you know, I, I, you'd have to say for Christie's, you know, you'd have to in Hong Kong, you'd have to, you know, put your credit card down there, you'd have to wait to get a paddle. Uh, and, and given the, the circumstances that the world is in right now, I certainly see a, a huge impetus for for wine bid. So you know, as you mentioned, you know, you've had you've had uh, Christie's, Sotheby's, you know, all these traditional uh, red brick uh, auction houses. I mean, there are a few. I mean, there's Zach's and there, there's some others. But uh, what is it that differentiates Winebit from other wine auction companies? Yes. Well, so aside from being the very first online and having the longest presence online, I think there's a variety of things that we've done along the way because we were the first and we had to set the standard that now many others are copying, but makes us the leader online for online auction wine. Uh, first, the we all know about some of the unfortunate wine scandals in the mid 2000s. And in fact, most of those ironically were confined to some of the specific brick and mortar 
auction houses that we don't need to get into, but very well documented. Yes, it's been well documented. Right. The, the, the funny thing is, you didn't hear about any of the online folks being involved in that, uh, and there were others besides Winebit at the time that were selling wine online, but none of them were part of that. And one of the reasons is, is because I think from the in the earliest days, people were skeptical about selling and buying fine wine online mm -hmm. because it was a new thing. Uh, just like we were mentioning now people sell and buy lots of things very expensive things online uh, it's called it's a, it's even a new category people are using the phrase re-commerce luxury authenticated re-commerce for vintage watches um, vintage or high-end luxury fashion like gucci handbags or prada you know prada shoes and other things yeah. where uh, people will buy them, maybe even use them, and then want to resell them. Yes. And anywhere where there's an opportunity for a knockoff then or for a fake, then you need to have some form of authentication. Uh, and that's across many categories. And so many categories are now seeing the rise of luxury authenticated re-commerce online. WineMid's been doing that for 25 years. So we set up in the very early days an authentication and inspection process I'd say authentication is, and fake wine is not really a problem. I mean, we occasionally will see someone trying to fake a bottle, but we, we have, we, we use people, process, and technology. We've got people that are WSET trained to level two or more. In fact, one of our senior inspectors also has a degree in art history. He has a degree in winemaking and he has a degree in criminology. What a fascinating combination of experience. So and we, have, hope, and we hope soon they'll have the, the Asia Pacific uh, wine and spirit certification. Absolutely. So I'll make sure that he uh, signs up for that class and cert certificate. So the, uh, so we have, I think we may have one of the only and maybe the largest team of full-time inspectors who do nothing else but inspect wine all day long. Other companies have their field salespeople or other people yeah. do the inspections. We have a full team that sits mm -hmm. in our warehouse and inspects wine all day long. We have processes by which we bring in the wine. We look at the wine. We do the, uh, we, we, we examine not just the authenticity, but we document from the seller, the origin, where was it purchased? We, uh, we document the storage conditions, how was it stored? And then we do a physical inspection of every bottle. Um, and it's about a 10 point inspection process. At one point I was over at Fair Isaacs, the credit scoring company, which also is known for its artificial intelligence and fraud analytics. Mm -hmm. And so I've noticed here at WineBid, we actually do like the FICO score of wine on many different points. And all of these notes are on our site. And so I think what's really interesting is no one else that I've seen on the internet provides as detailed provenance and inspection notes. No one else has a photo of every bottle in high resolution front and sometimes also back. And for the high value bottles, we're the only website that provides a 360 spin and zoom in high res so that any collector you can actually get up closer and more detail on the bottles on our site than you can in, in real person if you're at an auction or nearly at a store because we provide so much detail. So all of those things are things that we've been doing all of this time that I believe have engendered trust and transparency. So 
you know, because a lot of a lot of trading and high value goods, it's all about trust. And so what we've been trying to do is create trust, transparency, and a great experience for sellers and for buyers of wine to again connect and be informed, be knowledgeable, and have a great and winning experience. Everybody wants to win. I often joke that the first three letters of wine is win. And so sellers want to win when they're selling their wine. They want to feel like they're getting a good value for the wines they're selling, for the experiences that they're sharing. Buyers want to feel like they're getting a good deal on the wines they're buying. And so we try to make that happen with a great experience and with great transparency. I, I think that, you know, thank you for, for sharing that, Russ. I think for our listeners there, um, it's very important. Most Many of you may or may not have heard of provenance, but provenance is really the tracing back to where that wine has been, the adventure, um, the conditions that it was kept under. And, and in a perfect world, it would be wonderful to know that. But probably 80%, if not higher, they would say, well, my auntie gave it to me, and I'm sure she got it from Uncle Tom or you know, they got it from from uh, your cousin Brad. We don't know, but we we don't know much about wine. But here here it's a gift for you, and it's a real jewel. So that I found, and having been on your site and looking at that 360, it is quite remarkable that 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 360 uh, ability to really examine. You know, you can look at the shoulder, you can look look at the neck. Where is the the, the liquid? And this is invaluable because. If you don't have that bottle physically in your possession, at least you have this. Yes. So, so I think in, in many ways, you're right. You don't get as close even at the uh, live sort of uh, stone brick uh, auction houses. So, you know, I am, I, I really am very enthused to, to share what you're doing there, Russ. And, and perhaps if you can just expand a little bit more for the potential pur purchaser, the potential person who wants to buy? When, when, when do you open the, the platform? When do you close it? And, and, and if I want to sell wine, what's the procedure? Sure. So for buyers or bidders, people bidding because it is a competition, the auction opens at every week at 7.30 Pacific Western time uh and 10 30 eastern time and then it, every sunday night it's monday morning in asia so monday morning in china or japan sunday night uh in uh in the us and then it closes at 7 p.m pacific 10 p.m eastern the next sunday so the auction is always running 24 7 365 but the period for each group of items is sunday to sunday the, whereas other auctions, there's there's auction terminology like um, simultaneous start, simultaneous end, or um, or staggered or asynchronous start and end. There's also a hard close or a soft close. There's all mm -hmm. kinds of different formats. Um, some auction sites not in wine will have every item starting at a different time. It's so hard to keep track. Very true. Winded has always been synchronous start, synchronous end. Winebed used to be about monthly, but I think around seven to 10 years ago went weekly. So we were the very first weekly auction 
and only recently have other folks online started to come to weekly. So it's weekly Sunday to Sunday. We find that people are buying or bidding for three reasons. One is to, to drink it, to, to get it to drink it. Number two is to share it, to gift it, just like it's our 25th anniversary. A wine vintage is a very personal, great thing to give as a gift for a 21st year birthday for when someone can drink, and at least in the States, uh, or a 25th birthday or a 30th or a 40th or a 50th birthday uh, is such a great gift, or maybe a 10th anniversary or 20th anniversary or some kind of milestone. So, so one is to drink and have and consume yourself or share with friends. Another one is the gift. And the third is for investment, to buy the wine and then hold on it and then maybe sell it later for a profit, which we can talk about. Uh, on, the, on the seller side, if you're in a place where we can accept your wine, which currently is in the US or France, and we're looking eventually to grow the other places we can bring the wine in from, generally someone will call or email or connect with us online. And then we will do an appraisal virtually of what we think your wine is worth. And we will provide that information to you. If you decide you want to come with us to sell your wine, we will work with you to make arrangements to either have one of our staff come pick up the wine or to help get it to a local wine storage partner that we work with that can then box up the wine, palletize the wine and send it to Napa under good temperature controlled, stable conditions. At which point in Napa, it is then, as we've discussed, inspected, photographed and put up for auction. That can happen as quickly as one or two weeks or less. And so, whereas in the old school auctions, it could take them months before they could get the wine and organize an event and rent a room and have a dinner. It could be four to six months before the person selling their wine got paid. With WineBid, we can have your wine up in market within one to two weeks and get you paid very quickly thereafter. So it's a very dynamic, very fast market. And with, as most people know, with global inflation, global supply chains, things happening in the wine market with the tariffs, the frost, the fires, so many things happening. Wine prices are going up. Yes. Wine is escalating very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so for people who want to sell now is a great time to be selling wine. Wine prices are at all time highs for Burgundies, for Bordeaux, even for Rhone, for new world wine. It's all escalating and uh, there's more demand than ever. And so, uh, and then buyers want to be nimble and quick. If it's in auction this week, you need to bid on it this week because things go very quickly. They don't sit around for a month or two months or three months. So, you know, we mentioned something about investors and I think, uh, you know, those, the many there who enjoy the wine. And I think at one stage, you know, if one's been in the game long enough, there's always the issue of the three D's, isn't there? Oh, yes. So, you know, maybe you'd like to just expound on that a bit and then share a little bit about what's your, what, what are your thoughts on wine investors, uh, Russ? Sure. So I think what you're referring to with the three Ds are what they used to say are the three reasons why people that have a lot of good wine would sell that wine. And the three Ds used to be death, divorce, or debt. So either I died uh, or I got divorced and I have to sell the wine for the divorce settlement or, or I've got too much debt and I need the money from the wine. 
that that used to be the I think the the paradigm, but in fact, more recently, I, I think it's changed quite a bit. Uh, we might say instead of death that it's more doctors. Doctors are advising you that maybe you don't need to stop drinking, but maybe you need to cut back on your drinking a little, and especially as collectors tend to be on the older side, buyers tend to be on the younger side, right? True. So it's, yeah. you might've collected a lot of wine and you're slowing down and you're drinking. So, so I say doctors instead of death, it's a little less morbid. We also see another reason that people will sell their wine is because they're moving. There's so much global movement yes. these days and people who are collecting wine tend to be successful people. Maybe they're moving for a job or maybe they've got a second or third home. And rather than move their wine, they'd rather sell it and build a new seller of different wine somewhere else. And so they want to monetize that wine. Uh, there's, there's another thing that we see a lot is that people's tastes change. Some people up here in Washington get started on Washington and Oregon wines. And then they start developing a taste for Napa and Sonoma wines. And then they start getting into Bordeaux and Burgundies. And they might have gotten on several wine club lists and collected many cases over the years. And they want to sell a piece of that collection so they can start building up a new section or a new geography of their collection. So sometimes people's tastes change. And then finally, the, the, the last one that I often say is one of the biggest reasons that people sell is because of the P. And that's the partner. So many people's partners, their spouses, their, their husbands or wives or boyfriends or girlfriends are telling them, you have too much wine in the cellar. You need to sell some more before you can buy some more. I'm not saying you can't buy any more, but move some. And so we often see people turning over their cellar for that reason, because wine is not just about, again, drinking the juice. It's about the collection. People enjoy the collecting of many bottles, even if they never intend to drink them. So that's, that's the reason people are selling the wine. And then mm -hmm. finally, also to make money. Some of those we talked about <clears throat> making money. You asked me about investors. So investors, um, I think you need to be very knowledgeable to be buying wine and making money on that. Uh, certainly wine has gone through the roof in pricing. In fact, WineBid was featured by The Economist magazine in late 2019, a couple of years ago. The Economist came to us because we have one of the best, if not the best, they said in the article, the best wine pricing database in the world over the longest period. And they took our data and they analyzed the value of wines, a basket of wines from different regions. And they looked at that against the stock market. And what they showed was if you had invested in a basket of Burgundies, you would have outperformed the S&P 500 by over, I think, 35%. Bordeaux's mm -hmm. were, were a little less than the S&P, but they were better than bonds, for example. And then American high-end Cabernets were okay. And then after that, the all the Appalachians trailed off. So that article was great. And a lot of people thought, I'm going to buy a bunch of wine and hold on to it and make a lot of money. Um, one thing I did in a follow-up blog, I cautioned that, that wine is unfortunately not like stocks in that stocks are very easy to trade. These days, there's a lot of online brokerages that have no transaction costs. And Stocks you can hold on to or not, but they don't cost you anything to store for the most part. Mm. Wine is more like a commodity, like oil or cattle futures. And I know every wine has all that story and experience and passion and art like we talked about earlier. Yes. But at the end of the day, wine is a physical good. 
and it needs to be stored somewhere correctly. And that yes. costs them money. Storage costs money. And so as do transaction costs, wine transaction costs on the sell side and the buy side, it's uh, more expensive than, than, than zero. Than, you know, uh, on wine bid, 17% on the buy side. On most other sites, it's 25%. So we actually offer one of the lowest buyer's premiums. But when you start talking about buying wine, holding on to it, and then selling that, and with the storage and production costs, you need to be planning on holding that wine for a long time and expecting that you're going to be very good at picking wines that will appreciate over the long term even more than the storage and transaction costs. Many people are very good at that and can make a lot of money. Uh, but then I said in that in my follow-up blog, I still believe personally that wine is best meant for enjoying and sharing with friends and family. That's true. And and you know, thank you for that, Russ. I mean. You know, if we if we were to talk about the investment side, there's always a cost to it. Um, but you know, you know, when you look at the sort of Livex, you know, the the sort of viticultural exchange uh, numbers that they have, um, you know, they, they 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 have their records. There's also been some other articles uh, where they they ran it as sort of a, as a correlation to the price of oil. Sure. There's been many, and 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 I um, have read some of those which which you have referred to. Um, I think for an investor, like you said, for any investment, you need to know what you're doing, and you also need to know what are the costs that are related to it. Um, you know, with the movies that you can see, I think it was called Sour Grapes. It's, it's yes. public knowledge out there. You know, one has to be extremely cautious. So what are what what you know? listeners and viewers you know winebird is putting their transparency you can examine through their 360 um, photography um, uniqueness they there's also the the team that they have uh, in in looking at the provenance um, there's also the set times for the actual bidding and uh, when the bidding closes there's also a, a methodology of if you want to buy or if you want to sell. So here's a question. Let's say Mr. or Mrs. X is not in the United States, but in another part of the world where they want to buy uh, some wine. Now, what I liked about your site was you, you can also buy, for those that are not familiar, OWC, you know, that's out of the, the, the wooden uh, container. Uh, it's 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 a term that they use in the trade, but you you're very practical. You you take them out. So if you're going to ship them, it's not that expensive. But one of the aspects I did like was you can purchase singular bottles. So not only singular but case bottles. Now, my question is: You happen to be in a country or jurisdiction where you cannot ship. So is it? theoretically and perhaps technically possible, you could share with us, Russ, that Mr. A or Mrs. A is able to get onto the wine bid auction platform, make a bid, purchase a $5,000 worth, and then you would be able to store it. Absolutely, and I appreciate your asking. First of all, for the members of Apwazi, I can assure you that we have been delivering We've been helping customers ship to themselves in Hong Kong, 
in Japan and Korea and most of the other uh, Asian countries for quite some time. In fact, it's more difficult to ship, unfortunately, to you, Dr. Lee, in Canada than it is to over to, to Asia for most of the countries there. Some of the countries have slightly different regulations. Of course. That, uh, but for the most part, customers are able to get their wine. For the longest time, up until very recently, customers who bought or won wine on WineBid would continue, could continue to store them at WineBid for a long time. And uh, we had, we have a, a membership, membership tiers where if you buy into the membership tier, it's like Amazon Prime, that you at a higher tier of membership, you get longer, cheaper storage and also discounts on the shipping later down the road. And so over time, WineBid saw so many people that would leave their wine, not just for a month or two months, but for six months or a year or several years. Initially, we thought, oh, people want a little time because they can buy single bottles, like you said. And it's much more cost efficient to ship an entire case, 12 bottles rather than one bottle, that people would want a little time to build up six bottles or 12 bottles. And then during the summer when it's hotter, they might want to wait. So we thought, oh, they'll build up a case over six months and then they'll ship it. Well, we had people that loved the storage uh, option. And mm -hmm. so there are so many customers that we have decided to partner with a new entity called the Global Storage Network, which wow. is physically right next door to WineBid in Napa. So the bottles, that people win on WineBid are automatically deposited at the global storage network. And so over time now, people can buy wine or win wine on WineBid and they can keep those as long as they would like at the global storage network. At the different tiers of membership, you get one month free per bottle or three months free or six months free. And after that, it's very nominal cost. It goes from 50 cents down to 35 cents. At the highest tier, it's only 35 cents a bottle. When you compare that per month, when you compare that to renting a storage locker of $100 or more to store wine, and you don't even mm -hmm. fill up the locker, but you're paying for the space, this is a very cost efficient way to buy just the bottles or the cases that you want and then to store them for as long as you want. And then for global customers, many of our global customers may travel to Napa now and then to go visit the wineries, participate in harvest and do that. And I things. love that. Yes. You're right. I can actually come and pick it up from the warehouse. You can come pick up. Many customers do when they're traveling to Napa. They might buy something or win something that's an old French wine, but they want to enjoy that while they're in Napa. For many people... Uh, because wine collectors tend to be very successful people. Mm -hmm. We've got young people. I mean, the bottles on WineBid go from $10,000 plus vintage and rare wines down right. to $50, even $10 less expensive wines. And so we have such a diverse amount of wines and such a diverse buyer base. But we do have some buyers, global buyers in particular, who might have many homes and, uh, and they travel a lot. So they might want to come pick up some wine while they're in Napa, or they might want to have it shipped to somewhere else in the States that they might be visiting. So there's all kinds of ways, but I think the core point is, and also long-term investors, we were talking about storage. Well, we believe we have one of the 
least, least expensive and most effective storage methods. If you want to buy wine and hold it for the long term, you could win it on WineBid, leave it at the global storage network, and then decide when you want to sell it later. So whether you want to pick it up at the global storage network facility in Napa, if you want to have it shipped anywhere, you can, you have it you you ship to yourself, or we can help you figure out a shipping arrangement huh. globally or locally. Or if you want to ship it to a friend, uh, all of these things are possible. Or if you want to store it for the long term for later resale at WineBid, all of those things are possible with the Global Storage Network partnership. That just opens up an enormous uh, opportunity, and the frontiers are really. Uh, pushed forward uh, with no real limitation uh, with, with, with this uh, methodology that you have there, uh, Russ. You know, Russ, I'd really like to congratulate WineBid for their, as they celebrate their 25th anniversary. And now that you, you're at the helm and, um, you know, both being, um, you know, MBA graduates, what's your vision? You know, as, as my sort of penultimate question to you, what's your vision? Uh, and where do you, where would you like to see wine bid in say five years? Well, I appreciate all your comments there. The uh, you know wine bid was originally founded 25 years ago to help people share wines and great experiences around wine, and we've continued to do that. And it's become more diverse than ever. There's more appellations. There's more producers. There's more sellers and buyers, and there's more uh just a diverse audience as well people yes. of various ages from all around the world and so i think that's the foremost thing is to continue to grow and expand that vision of sharing great experiences and not just the grape juice the actual experience and having fun and so as we mentioned global wine is 325 billion dollar industry and only 10 billion is online that's only three percent so if it gets to be uh like other categories then it should be 10 or 20% online, which would mean it's a 50 billion to $100 billion online wine industry, which can't help but help wine bid grow as well. Through that, we want to continue to expand our sourcing of wine from sellers, both private sellers and sellers in the trade globally, more than just the US and France. Uh, we'd like to offer even more diverse wines than ever before, more producers, more, more uh, appellations. And I, I know people love seeing all the different things. You know, we've been talking about how global uh, folk, folks from China and Japan and Korea go to the old world places but, and, and then bring some of those wines back and yes. that desire for those wines back. But we also know China is starting to produce its own wine that's very competitive. And uh, Japan obviously has had rice wine, sake for years, and Korea has its own alcohol and spirits. So uh, mm. I, 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 I love that WineBid started carrying sake wines for resale uh, in mm -hmm. the past couple of years. I'm waiting to see if we can get some of these newer Chinese wines onto the site as well. So I think people love to try wines from where they're from and, and compare those just like Surrey or Temecula. Uh, and yes. so, People love to have all of these wines. So I want to continue to expand the diversity of the wines, the sourcing, and the overall experience to make the selling of the wine as easy and convenient and profitable as possible, as well as the bidding, the buying, and the sharing experience to be fun, engaging, 
educational and enriching, just like I know Apwasi is doing for its listeners and what you're doing, Dr. Lee, with the Apwasi certificate, is to expand the joy of wine and the sharing of the experience with people around the world. And you know, I congratulate you on starting Apwasi, on developing these programs and these certificates and sharing your love of wine with so many people and introducing so many people to wine. Just again, appreciate you having me on your podcast. Well, thank you very much for that, Russ. Uh, you know, ha having been uh, involved in the world of wine, I've seen many auction houses. And uh, for our listeners out there and viewers, you know, what you have with Winebird, above all, is transparency. We won't even go to the horror stories were, that were around, uh, certainly in the UK, about ooh, 10 years uh, ago. There was a plethora of uh, ghost uh, sort of uh, purchases uh, and, and warehousing. What you have with Winebit is transparency. You have provenance being checked. You have a, a pedigree of 25 years. You've got a sound and cap capable captain at the helm. Uh, through the current CEO, Russ Mann. And uh, I think with, with the way that the uh, world is now opening up, I don't see a limitation of internet business. I see a continuing growth with it. And with that, you know, I'm going to end off with the last question before I end off this session, Russ. And it's going to be the quintessential question and perennial question that's always asked. What's your best wine that you like to drink? Oh, that's a tough one, Dr. Lee. I'm glad we're ending this on a positive note. Uh, I can tell you that um, I, because we have such a diversity of offerings on Winebed, uh, and you know, there's the famous saying, the philosophical saying, you can never step in the same river twice. I actually think you can actually never even drink the same bottle twice oh, because yes. even if it's the same vintage from the same producer, we all know that wine is still alive and it ages and changes. So if I buy and I drink and share a, one bottle now, and I'll tell you a good story here in a second, I might have that same bottle a year from now and it could taste very different. And very so uh, we mentioned that it's Winebid's 25th anniversary. I talked about wine being a great birthday gift to share. I think I might have told you privately that it was my my wife's 40th birth year this year. And right. so we've been sharing. Uh, I've been uh, attempting to collect 1981 vintages. Um, okay. And, uh, of course, I never bid against a customer on wine bid. If someone else buys it or wants it, they can have it. But if no one else bids, then then I will occasionally bid on a bottle. And so uh, I'd been collecting those. So I wanted her to try every one of the first scrows. So we opened up oh. this year, her birth year, with the 1981 Mouton. And that was the best of the first growths. And so I was able to procure one more, and we will close the year with the 1981 Mouton. But, but outside of that, that one is particular because of the story. But I've just so enjoyed, you know, there's been a big, big focus recently on women winemakers. And oh, yes. so getting to try some of the wines where uh, Celia Welch, Heidi Barrett, and some of the other, uh, uh, Maggie Henderson, some of the famous women winemakers have moved on from their first wine. You know, mm -hmm. the, Heidi Barrett has Baratage uh, or Sirena, and then um, Maggie Henderson's over with uh, Antiqua Terra and others. So getting to try wines by women winemakers. And 
black winemakers. Um, there's, uh, I think, Theopolis and um, Abbey Creek. And so, and getting to try wines from around the world. So it's really hard to have a favorite wine. It's great to be able to experiment with. And that's one of the great things about WineVid that you mentioned is you can often, unlike the the traditional houses and the very expensive houses where you could only buy boxed and banded $12,000 cases or more yes. on WineVid, you can pick and choose. You can pick one very expensive bottle. You could try a bunch of different things. And so that's one of the joys of, of WineVid that I encourage all of your listeners to, to give it a try and to experiment and enjoy the diversity and the passion and the art of wine from around the world. Yeah. So, you know, in concluding, I, I, what Russ has just mentioned is the aspect of flexibility, where you are welcome to try and uh, explore. Where does the journey take you? How will the adventure turn out? You are the decision maker, and they are the enabling environment for you to make it the best possible experience. So, Russ, thank you very much for joining us as a guest uh, on the Apwazi um, uh, wine buzz interview here series. Um, it's it's been an enormous pleasure having you, and I know that uh, our parts will definitely interact in 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 the coming weeks, months, and years. And um, we wish you all the very best uh, during your your time and uh, under your leadership. May uh, Winebit continue its uh, its upward uh, scale of success. Um, thank you very much. So, thank you, Doctor Lee. So, so um, listeners and and uh, viewers, please, you we welcome your comments. Do subscribe and share and like. And um, it's always Winebid. I would uh, recommend you have a look there. It's a very informative site. I've been there, and um, I don't think you will be disappointed at all. So, wonderful wine drinking to you. And until we meet again. Thank you very much for listening in.